Hello and welcome back to the Optimizing Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Marty Kendall. On this show, we take an engineering approach and speak to the experts about the insights into weight loss, fasting and nutrition, as well as real life people about their journey of nutritional optimization. Hello, Jin Stevens. Great to chat to you again. Hello. So glad to be here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just first up, just want to say a massive thank you for sharing what we're doing with your massive audience. And um, yes, ever since you interviewed Laurie back in February, just my life has taken you know a whole new turn and, and you, you've sort of wandered off the other end of the the facebook world ironically but um yeah no thank you for everything you've done to share what we're doing well as soon as, as she was telling me about it i realized it was a tool that would be a, a great fit for a lot of people's toolboxes right yeah, yeah. You know, there's not one one size fits all way to do anything mm. including intermittent fasting and so i was like you know i bet there are people that really would love to hear about this and so i'm glad she yeah. reached out about it yeah and then i've chatted with melanie and i had melanie on this little podcast or whatever it is and um a couple of weeks ago and that was fascinating i really enjoyed getting to know her and um yeah i got to go on your podcast and melanie's podcast and so yeah it's just the friendships are amazing and i'm really loving that um so yeah life after facebook i'm just blown away that you built a community of of half a million people in different Facebook groups and then went, I'm out, I want to do something new. And I suppose for me, I've found that, like I spent five years arguing with people in a lot of other Facebook groups right. and it just and Twitter and it can be so fruitless mm-hmm. in some ways because nobody learns anything, nobody grows, nobody, they just argue about the theory. And sometimes it's a waste of time. And I found it really satisfying just to say, hey, here's a, a small group of people that are, are willing to join a group, pay a nominal am- amount of money, which just shows that they're committed. And then they make so much more prog- progress as they just follow the process. So, yeah, how's the delayed don't deny social network going? It must be you know, same, same kind of thing. Yes, exactly. And you know, it, it was really scary to take that step off yeah, of nothing. Facebook. I mean, I haven't been back. You know, I didn't deactivate my account. I didn't like burn anything to the ground when I left. You know, I, I did. Um, I archived two of my groups, the advanced group and the one meal a day group, which was really hard to do because the one meal a day group I started in 2015 and it felt like home. Mm. But the the one group we still have going run by moderators but i'm not there but it just it got to the point that it it consumed me did you read my blog post that i wrote about it yeah i checked it out yeah you said there was one person going i can't believe jim would condone this behavior it's like half a million people how can you be responsible for every person well, every and comment it, while you're asleep or it, at work yes or? yeah and it, it became you know to the point that i really couldn't relax i i couldn't be present in my own life And, you know, I was like, well, I have loved mentoring people, helping people. I'm like, I'm a teacher, you know, I taught Mm. school for 28 years. That is what I, what I do. I teach, but, you know, think about it like a classroom, you know, I could teach a classroom full of kids, but I couldn't teach a stadium full of kids every day. (laughs) Right. You lose that personal connection. So it felt to me, the number of people in the groups 
made it feel like I was more like a, like a traffic director than, than helping people with intermittent fasting. It was, you know, when I had a free moment in between my life, I had to, you know, we had to approve posts and then I didn't just want to approve a post. I also wanted to comment on it. And then I had to approve another one. And really when it all kind of um, hit me that it was, it was time to to figure something out was, it was, hmm, I guess summer of 2020 and I was getting ready to cook dinner and I was like, you know, okay, Chad, I'll cook dinner in just a minute. Once I get the pending posts knocked down and I can't remember how many pending posts there were. I'm going to say 35. Let's just say however many there were There were 35 pending posts in the, in the group. And I'm like, well, as soon as I get these knocked down to zero, I'll cook dinner. Well, I, I went through them, answer them, go to the next one. 30 minutes later, there were 37. (laughs) I had been doing it for 30 minutes. There were more than when I started and I started crying. And I said, you know, I I can't, I can't do this. And that was when I realized. Hey, you're the intermittent faster. I'm not meant to be starving. That's true. (laughs) But, and and the thing that was so, so heartbreaking about it is, you know, you would approve a post and depending, you know, it might've been a very simple question. Like, can I eat carrots during the fast? Right. That's got an answer. No, no, you cannot eat carrots during the fast. So we would approve it and answer it and close comments. Well, when we close comments, that made people really angry because they wanted to give an answer too, or we were stifling their free speech. Or, But if we didn't close the comments, somebody would come along and say, I eat carrots in the fast and it's working for me. So we really, it was like, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't, we couldn't win. So I said, I just, I can't, I can't live like this anymore. And so I, I made the decision that it was time to, to do something different. And so I'm really enjoying the Delay Don't Deny social network. It's small. It's cozy. Yeah. And you can probably have more of a personal interaction with people where you actually help them and guide them forward and run programs that are sort of structured and focused rather than just complete confusion. Right. For example, we've got a 28-day fast start group. And that was, mm. you know, something in, in Fast Feast Repeat. We have the 28-day fast start. So, you know, every day somebody new is coming into the 28-day fast start group and saying, today is day one. Or somebody will say, I'm on day 29. I just finished. And um, it's just wonderful to be able to connect with people mm. in that kind of regard. And you know, it, it is a nominal fee, you know, to join the Delay Don't Deny social network. It's $59 if you join for a year, it's $4.99 a month. Mm. <laughs> and you can go to the Ask Jen group and I'll answer you. And But it's it's not that feeling of like, you know, directing traffic anymore. I can relax. There's no pending yeah. posts. People just talk about stuff. And it's just a little bit higher level of conversation. Mm. Yeah, I was talking to Rob Wolf and he said with his group, which is similarly off Facebook, he said, I'm, I'm, I put a price tag on it, not for me, but for you, because that just, it, it makes sure the people in there are serious and want right. to learn. And, you know, I can dedicate that time to you. And, and it just potentially is a lot more beneficial for those people rather than just, I just, I try not to look at Twitter. Twitter's the thing that annoys me the most because I just get infuriated every time I interact with somebody on Twitter who's just trying to get more likes and follows by being more outrageous and it just spirals into yeah, craziness. So yeah, it's I literally, not, not anything you could, I'm sorry. The yeah. thing about Twitter, really, I think anything you say, someone is going to argue with you. 
whether it's the sky is blue, the grass is green, someone will, well, I have examined the sky and it's really just the, you know, the diffusion of the, the light waves. It's really not. One says, you know, it just gets, it's endless. But anyway, um, so, so did, did you ever expect this to take over your life? How did it all start out? You've been on your own journey and you found a way that worked for you and you started sharing it and then, realized you had to quit your job to manage half a million people and you know that's right you know it started off i was obese i was 210 pounds and i had been on that diet roller coaster for so many years and finally something stuck and it was intermittent fasting and i went on to lose you know 80 pounds keep it off since um i started the the, the actual weight loss in 2014 got mm. to my goal by 2015 went on to lose a little bit more and I've been maintaining ever since, even as I've gone through menopause. Yeah, you know, I'm 51. I'm on the other side of menopause now and still maintained through menopause. But the thing that was different about this, this weight loss time that stuck, because prior to that, I was a yo-yoer. I would do mm. something. I would up and down, up and down. And every new thing I tried was crazier than the, the thing before it. But I, I always felt like I was, you know, alone. And then finally... When it when it stuck in 2014, that was when I was on Facebook and I started finding groups, groups that were organized around, you know, whatever weight loss strategy I was trying to do. Well, I found some intermittent fasting groups and connected with people. You know, I can remember trying to read forums back in the day, but that was really different. But Facebook groups gave me the support that I needed. So when I got to my goal and started to really learn more about about what works, what doesn't work. I thought, you know, I need a group just for me and my friends. Mm. You know, by that point, people had seen what I was doing. Little did you know. Well, I, and that's what happened. I started the group just, and there were like 30 people in it, you know, that first week. And it was people that I had, some people I didn't know personally, but I'd met them through other diet groups, I like gathered them with me. I'm like, we're going to go over here and just be a little quiet, small, that <laughs> famous last word, a small group. Of friends. I mean, I can remember in early days talking about things like, ladies, what's your favorite deodorant? I'm having trouble finding a deodorant that doesn't stain my clothes. I mean, we, we yeah, talked yeah, about yeah. all sorts of things, but then people started wandering in off the street, joining the group. And I'm like, what's happening? You know, people from other countries were coming in. It just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, and um, I, mean, I can remember having a conversation with somebody at one time somebody who had wandered in off the street and he was arguing with me about something like how we defined one meal a day. This was the one meal a day group. I'm like, look, I, I don't want to argue with you about it. I don't care how you define it. Why don't you start a group of your own or join a different group and it can be whatever you want. He's like, well, yours go away. <laughs> yes. He's like, well, yours is the biggest. I'm like, yes, but <laughs> yeah, so this is where I want to start the argument and have the like get the attention and you know yeah. I guess yeah. but we were the first one meal a day group on Facebook. Yeah. And wow. we were the only one for a long time. Yeah, you know, remember this was 2015. Yeah. And so you know back back then it, it was it was really different. <laughs> but everything so what, grew. I wrote my book, my first book yeah. in 2016 and then it got to the point where I was teaching school still full time. And I'd be like running Facebook in my lap, you know. <laughs> 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 but it's true. No, we're we're quietly 
play sleeping lines in the background and I'll just be on. <laughs> well, I was the gifted teacher. So my, I was really a facilitator of what the kids did. You know, I had elementary kids and, and I really felt like there was Maria Montessori has a quote. Mm. You're familiar with Maria Montessori. Mm, um, she was a pioneer in early childhood education. And there was a quote and I'm going to paraphrase it, but she said, the mark of a good teacher is when the ki- the kids are over there doing something and you're not even needed. So that was kind of how I ran my classroom. <laughs> That's crazy. Anyway, it's good. Good you got some freedom to for yourself and for your own health and to nurture people that you know want to learn as well now too. Right. So, what do you reckon is it about fasting in that time that really blew up? You know, I spent so much time trying to teach people what to eat and how to dial in the nutrition, but it seems people want to know how not to eat. And that's so much more fascinating. So what is it about fasting that you think has taken off in the last five years particularly? Well, it's because it works. And people who have been like me on that diet roller coaster and yo-yoing forever, I've never had two seasons in a row other than the diet pill years that we won't go there. <laughs> other than that. No, I, I got them from a doctor. They, they were good for you. They got them from a doctor. Anyway. Other than that brief period of my life, I never had two seasons in a row where I was the same size because I was yo-yoing so much. And so the the beauty about intermittent fasting and the reason it's getting big is because mm. it works and it mm. leads to finally people feeling like, okay, I've gotten my sanity back. Yeah. And and then, you know, that that's priceless. You know, I, t- I have my podcast, Intermittent Fasting Stories, and I talked to, I think today I did episode 164 or something. I yeah. recorded one this morning. And you hear over and over again, even though everyone has a different story, everyone, you know, has a different history, everyone ends up with a different sweet spot as far as what their fasting looks like, what they're eating. The one thing that's universal is finally, I feel sane. Mm. Yeah, it's that being out of control of what you eat mm-hmm. and feeling guilty and all those oh, mental mind games you play effectively with your lizard brain, which is trying to keep you alive. You know, so you set it for failure in a way. But yeah, yeah. So, we we've yeah. tried so hard, and you know, I'm I'm a, was a successful person. I have a doctorate in gifted education. I was a member of Mensa for goodness' <laughs> sake, and I was obese. And you know, on paper, it's so easy. You just calories in, calories out. Why was I so? week that I could not lose weight and keep it off. And I felt like I was trapped in a body that wasn't mine. And, you know, you hear that from so many people and the, you know, back to your original question, that is why fasting is so appealing. Mm. And it's almost universal that people come to intermittent fasting with the whole, you know, my, my first book is called delay don't deny. Of course, it's a lot more, more than just the title. You know, Mm. the book does not at any time, <laughs> promote, just eat as much as you can, whatever you want all the time. You know, no, <laughs> if you don't read beyond the title, you might not get that. But <laughs> people come to it because finally they are like, okay, I can delay. I can delay. I don't have to deny. I can delay. Mm. And so the beauty of it is almost universally, people find that their tastes in food change mm. over time. They start gravitating yeah. towards you know, nutrient-dense food you know, we finally can hear our bodies asking for vegetables, yeah. for example. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, the, mm-hmm. the way our hunger sensations and cravings change when we're not eating all the time. You can sort of get a feel for 
what your body's actually needing when you can actually feel your hunger rather than just this, you know, the modern processed food industry foods just keep on driving this constant dopamine hit of food. And once you clear that out, you can actually hear your body's actual need for food. And you might crave something weird that's got that nutrient that you're not getting enough of. Um, one question Melanie asked, um, I said to Mel this morning, what could I ask Jin? And she said, what's... <laughs> What's the? She's great with questions, man. That interview yeah, blew, blew my brain. I walked away going, "Whoa, my brain hurts so much." Um, she's amazing. But um, th- this one's probably not too too brain stretching. But after fasting, what's the best dietary approach that worked for you? Is as you know, you've tried a bunch of diets as well, and you talk about window worthy and mm-hmm. sort of how is that definition of window worthy and and the ideal foods to, to eat within that window changed over time? Well, they've changed a lot. Now, when you're asking, you know, what diet worked for me, are you asking in my whole diet history or as an intermittent faster? Oh, wow. Um, either, I suppose. How, how, how was your, I get the feeling from one of your chats with Melanie that the new book is sort of about what to eat more than just when to eat as well. It's not and, a fasting book. My new book yeah, is not. not I can actually announce it now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my, my publisher wanted me to write, you know, another fasting book. They're like, could you write, you know, one meal a day book? I'm like, no, I have not. <laughs> I've done that. I'm not writing one meal a day book. No, because I don't think everyone should be doing one meal a day. I mean, I, I don't think that's a universal approach. And anyway, I mean, it's, it's, it's just one way to, you can structure your window. Mm. Um, as far as, um, uh, by the, back to the, the book, it's called cleanish, mm. eat mostly clean, live mainly clean and unlock your body's natural ability to self clean. Cool. So it's about, you know, taking it that one step further with what you're eating and basically your toxic load and your body burden and all of that. And, you know, having the podcast with Melanie has led me down this path in, in one regard. But I, I talk about, you know, what started me on it was one of my sons had chemical sensitivity. So we really had to clean up a lot of things when he was little. So I go into that into the in the book. But writing the book really encouraged me. I mean, I'm now even more careful about what I eat and what I use mm-hmm. after doing the research for the book. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, wow, it really does matter. I'm cleanish. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not obsessive about things. Um, but, you know, I try to pay attention to what I'm putting into my body even more than I, than I had been before. But, you know, what what diet works well for me now? And by diet, I mean pattern of eating, not that I'm on a diet, right? Yeah. No, um, my dietary approach is I'm, I'm kind of flexitarian, really. I, I think, you know, I do really well with lots of vegetables yep. in my diet, beans. I've just started um, working with um, dried beans. I ordered all these dried beans months and months ago, and they just sat in my pantry. And it was, they're like heirloom beans. And a friend of mine was like, I just ordered these beans. I'm like, well, I'm going to order some too. And then I didn't know what to do with them. But I've just started cooking them. And oh my gosh, they're amazing cooking them in the pressure cooker. But, you know, I do great with beans. I do well with grains. Sorry, yeah. anybody who doesn't you, do well with grains. You've sort of done well on a low carb keto type approach. You've sort of, you know, that. That's High that carb, my body doesn't yeah. My body doesn't do well with a low carb approach. And um you know I I I tried low carb on and off 
over and over again in all the different iterations. If you know, if you think about all the diets that cycled through that were really low carb at heart, you know, Atkins. Mm. I owned all the different at different Atkins books, the original, the second one he wrote, the one that was written by other people later, <laughs> you know, yeah. the new Dr. Atkins. I had them all. I did the Suzanne Summers, which was really a low carb plan yeah. as well. I did. I mean, you you name it, I did it. I did. Um mm. Sugar Busters. Mm. I read all of Gary Taub's work. I was a big believer in all the science. Mm. And 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 again, I, I don't think the science is wrong as far as like getting insulin down. I mean, it has certain core things that are, are the same with fasting. Mm. You know, when you're fasting, your insulin comes down mm. and you're able to tap into your stored fat. With me, when it came to low-carb keto, I ate too much food. I never felt satisfied. Oh, wow. But I also didn't eat a lot of vegetables, yep. but none of the plans, you know, emphasize that you should. Yeah. If you think yeah, about yeah. that, it was all yeah. meat, butter, dairy. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe if I did a more of a, a these days kind of nutritional, you know, nutritionally dense yeah. approach, I might do better. But I don't, I don't do well with a whole lot of fat, but we yeah. agree on the fact that low carb doesn't mean freedom with fat. Yeah, yeah. And basically, as long as you stick to either side of that, you know, fat plus carb junk food zone, you, you mm -hmm. do pretty yeah. well. Like lots of it's people great. do well on the whole food plant-based right. diet for whatever ethical or religious philosophical reasons. And, uh, you know, you can't deny they're, they're not obese if they can mm -hmm. actually stick to that. And um, yep. basically I avoiding... Need, I need carbs for satiety. You know, mm. I, I don't feel satisfied with just protein and fat mm. or, you know, or I, I really need, I need starchy carbs for satiety. Mm. I don't mm. feel like I've eaten unless I've had starchy carbs. Yeah. And that's just, that's just the way my body works. <laughs> Did you mention you look at, looking at supplements and a bit more bearish on supplements and skeptical about supplements, at least off Amazon or? Well, definitely book? off of Amazon. I definitely, <laughs> well, my whole experience on Amazon as an author that self-published, my first book, Delay Don't Deny, self-published through Amazon's platform. They have, you know, Kindle mm. Direct Publishing, but they do the paperback, they do print on demand. And I had trouble with um, with pirated copies of my book. Mm -hmm. Wow. And for, for a whole year, I didn't realize what was happening. Well, for months, I didn't realize what was happening. It looked like my sales went to practically zero. I was selling like one copy a day. Wow. But I knew that wasn't true because people would come in the groups and they'd like, look, I just bought. I'm like, I know more people are buying it than one a day because the wow. Kindle was still selling just as well as, the, as it always had. And I would call Amazon and they're like, oh, people just aren't buying paperbacks anymore. I'm like, well, that is clearly not true. <laughs> Turns out that there were third-party sellers that were selling counterfeit copies and they get into the buy box. I don't know if you know how that works. They changed it in, it was either 27, it was 2018. They changed it in 2018 and they allowed um, whoever had it at the lowest price got the buy box. And so the counterfeiters printed it. It turns out someone had retyped the whole book. Whoa. Because it was in a different font and it had different typos and different spacing on the pages. There was an italics somewhere that I didn't have it in the original. I mean, it was clearly someone had retyped it. The, wow. the back cover had typos on it that were not on in the original and then amazon was like oh hmm, 
does look like you're right. That's what's happening. So it, it taught me that you can't trust necessarily who's selling something on Amazon. Mm. You think you're buying like, like I didn't know that you could be getting it from somebody that was not even authorized to be selling it. Right. And so now I think about supplements and I think, do I want to trust, you know, supplements are us who's there in the buy box with the supplement? No, yeah. I'll still buy something if it's a, a reputable yep. dealer, you know, for example, mm. selling it through, through Amazon. And you like, um, you know, you know that it's, it's a company that also has a presence, you know, that they have good quality control, but other than that, I would not buy supplements on Amazon. Yeah. And you seem to be focusing more on what you're actually eating. So you don't necessarily need to rely on the supplements. I, I think so, because really, you know, I've done a lot of research for, for cleanish and, mm. Supplements is something that I talked about. You know, think about ultra processed foods, right? That's where we take foods, break them down, mm. process them. In in one way, supplements are a very ultra processed food mm. Mm. because that's not how they come in nature. Definitely. And you know, a lot of my research, and I, I talk about this in Cleanish. Um, a lot of of my research led with supplements. You know, you start reading about how you know they've been studied and what's they say is in there isn't really what's in there mm -hmm. and you know, there's very little quality control so you have to really know even you know the manufacturer to be certain if you're getting something mm -hmm. good but also when we start isolating things that we yeah. think like for example beta carotene right when they're like oh beta carotene must be the reason you know carrots are so healthy or whatever and so we're going to isolate it. Just take this it. pill. You don't need to eat the carrot exactly. anymore. Exactly. I, mean, I grew eat, up with eat, the Flintstones. Eat our fat and carb combo. Just take the pill. You know? exactly. Well, that, that's wrong. what I thought because that's how I grew up. I would eat junk. I would eat SpaghettiOs. And my mother gave me a Flintstones vitamin. And I thought that was – so I, I – Oh, good. Yeah. I thought it was all good. <laughs> I don't have to eat the vegetables. I'm having the vitamin. <laughs> I mean the vitamins, mommy. I don't need my veggies. Yeah. Well, that's what I, that's all that I understood. But – the more we learn about food, the more we learn that it's not just the beta carotene. It's it's all those phytochemicals. There are thousands of compounds in that carrot, and we don't even know what they all do. But to yeah, think that that totally. one is the one that's the magical, and that's not true. We don't eat little tiny things in isolation. Yeah. Um, and so it's more important to get your nutrients from food. But, of course, that yeah. takes you down another rabbit hole because so, so much of our food doesn't have the nutrients that it used to have. Mm, mm, you know, they're, they're so much more intentional to get the nutrients you need from food. I mean, a hundred years ago, it didn't really matter because everything contained nutrients, but right. these days, stools are depleted. Right. You know, processed foods are created that, you know, fat, refined grains and sugars with artificial flavors and colorings together without any nutrients they might throw a smattering of folate and b vitamins because they're cheap in there but they're made in factories that right. are just added to your cocoa pops or whatever and it's just yeah. crazy to think that that concoction would have the same effect as real food grown exactly. in nature in a healthy environment mm -hmm. and like you said that the one synthetic nutrient is not the same as all the synergistic mm -hmm. nutrients in the food matrix that, as I said, we don't understand that we have it's no idea really together. how it works yet, but mm -hmm. it works. And also our food is diluted in a way. If you think about yeah. it's been bred to be, you know, to grow faster and mm. to be bigger, right? So mm. think about, you know, a food that's been bred, a vegetable that's been bred to grow faster and to be bigger 
it's bigger, but the the nutrients mm. are more, you know, it's got less concentrated yeah. nutrients in it. So, yeah. you know, organic really does matter. Yeah. And, and or, that's, or, you know. Or at least beyond, even beyond organic, I think regenerative is the yes. thing that we all need to be focusing mm. on is, you know, who cares if it's plants or animals, but the foods that are grown when the plants and the animals are integrated together rather than just this monocrop with fertilizers and pesticides all thrown in. And, uh, what blew my mind paradigm is, you know, understanding that the Harbour Bosch process to create chemical fertilizers back in early 1900s changed our food system that Mm -hmm. literally half of the people on the earth wouldn't be here if you know they weren't fed by fossil fuel uh, you know methane turned into fertilizers dumped into our crops to grow cheap industrial crops it's just insane and and that's also fueled the obesity epidemic and if we can afford it turn back time by nourishing our body and investing in agriculture that regenerates the environment so hopefully that's my big vision that you know all this nutrient density talk will help people to focus on having plants and animals that are good for the planet exactly and working together and and being raised or grown the way that they're supposed to be raised or grown because when we start changing it up it really (laughs) does change it changes up you know like i said the amount of nutrients in the food and that's that's what's so shocking you know, mm. you can have two tomatoes and they can have a vastly different nutrient profile mm. Mm. based on how they were grown, where they were grown, how they were bred. Yeah. So it, it's just, it's absolutely shocking. And and back to your point about, um, you know, the whole industrial food really has ended famine. The only yeah. famines that are happening in the world now are, are basically politically war driven type famines. There are no, you know, nobody's having, we have enough food that we would not have famine. We actually have too much food, Mm, mm. but it's, it's got a different cost. Now our health is suffering. We've got so much food, you know, that we're overfed and undernourished. Mm. I I love it. Preach it. (laughs) (laughs) Music to my ears. Um, Is there anything you would have changed that you've learned? over the last five years that you'd go back and rewrite or you've changed your mind on? I've done a 180 turn. I mean, give us the highlights. I'm sure there's a million, but you learn so much as you share things and put them out in public and people comment and you do more research. And, yeah, so what have, what have you learned? Well, I, I'm really I'm, I'm proud of Fast Feast Repeat that, that came out last year in 2020 um, because I really used what I had learned over the years. Mm. There's some stuff in Delay, Don't Deny that sometimes I'm like, <laughs> my original that I wrote in 2016. There are a few things I wish I'd been a little more firm about, you know, the, the clean fast, for example, and, um, you know, making sure that we're getting all the benefits of the fast. I was a little more like deferring to some some experts instead mm. of trusting my own, mm. you know, being definitive about it. Mm. Because really, mm. I was like, well, who am I to contradict Jason Fung. He's Jason Fung. I'm just a school teacher from Augusta. <laughs> <laughs> Imposter syndrome again. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, by the time I wrote Fast Feast Repeat, I had had, um, you know, these hundreds of thousands of people in the groups and really gotten to see, you know, the application of mm. 
what happens when someone fasts clean, when someone stops putting mm. a tablespoon of cream in their coffee and starts mm. to drink black coffee, how that changes the fasting experience for them. Mm. And they're like, oh, I didn't realize you were right that I would feel so much better <laughs> when, I, mm. when I stopped doing that. And I, you know, after hearing that over and over, I became more confident with, you know, y'all try this, try it this yeah. way and, and convince yourself, you know, don't take my yeah. word for it. Let your body tell you. So I, you know, I guess you can't go back and, and give yourself more confidence than you had back at the time. You know, I can't do that, but I do think I had a chance to rewrite it. You know, when I wrote yeah. fast feast repeat. Yeah. It's amazing how much buzz there was around bulletproof coffee. You can have oh, yeah. unlimited fat because it doesn't produce insulin. And like now we're just realizing that, okay, if you want to burn body fat, overloading on dietary fat doesn't make sense. It's, it's no. just like the suspension of disbelief as a community that we've been through over the last five years. Well, because we want to believe there's that magic food because that's what all the diets promised you, that magic food that you could eat as much of as you want and you would not gain weight. Yep. You know, I tried to find that holy grail <laughs> diet from the low-fat diet of the 90s. Of course, that was the one that worked the best for me. The low yeah. fat diet of the 90s, I got really thin. Yeah, I didn't wow. look healthy because I was eating low fat junk food, but yeah. I got really, really thin following that. But, you know, I wasn't satisfied again. Mm. I, I need the fat and the, the carbs together. And real food, nutritious yeah. food, is yeah. what is satisfying. Yeah, it's amazing <laughs> how much more satisfying nutrient dense food is. So much more. Um, one thing I wanted to talk to you about was um, it's fascinating to listen to you and Melanie, who are this yin and yang of, you know, Melanie's the biohacker, and then you introduced me as a biohacker on our podcast, and I went off into a spiral <laughs> rant um, about not really being a biohacker because I understand you are. That, well, you know, I like data analysis, but um, I don't love tracking everything I do all the time because Melanie put it that um, I said, how can you track so many things? Everybody wants to know how can you biohack everything all at once. She said you can only track one thing at a time that attacks your ego and your identity when you're doing it. Like, and for some people, their blood sugars challenge their identity. And for some people, their weight challenges their identity. And as we launch into the nutritional optimization masterclass, looking at the, the nutritional content of the food, tracking that mm -hmm. challenges their identity because they thought they're eating a great diet. So yeah, you know, when do you find the balance of doing a little bit of tracking um, versus not tracking at all? And how do you fine-tune the intermittent fasting journey when it doesn't work? When do you bring in a little bit of tracking? Or how, how do you find that balance for different people? Obviously, different people are built differently. And I think that's where you have to have all the tools in, in your toolbox, right? Of course, if I was writing Fast Feast Repeat today, I'd probably put data-driven fasting in the toolbox, you know, <laughs> with your permission. I'm a teacher. This is what teachers do. Teachers go around and we gather the best stuff from everybody and we put it together <laughs> and we re-deliver it to people. And, um, you know, a history teacher is not a historian. A math teacher is not a mathematician. We we deliver the content. But I think the, the key is knowing yourself, you know, for every person out there. You know, some people listen to your episode on data-driven fasting and they're like, that's what I need to do. That is what that resonates with me. I want to try that. It, it appeals to them. Then other people are like, that is not what I want to do. I'm not, no not going to do that. Right. And it's, it's knowing yourself. And 
what appeals to you and, and how you want to live your life. And so there's there's a tool for everybody. You know, one of one of the quotes I'm starting to say more often now, one of the one of the things I'm saying more often is, you know, fasting is simple, but our mm. bodies are complicated. Mm. And so we all have so much between right this minute and the day we were born, we have had so many things happen in our bodies mm. from what our mothers ate when we were pregnant, really. Mm. So before we were even born, that mm. that loads the the you know our body, what what mm. our parents ate. Mm. or what our mother ate. And then, you know, how many times did we take antibiotics when we were little? You know, when did we first start struggling with with being overweight? You know, the earlier you started struggling mm. with, with your weight, the harder it is to, to come back from that, mm. right? Mm. The length of time you've been obese or overweight, you know, so many factors, the health of your gut microbiome, your personal you know, response, your glycemic response to food that, that is, you know, based on so many different factors. Um, so we really just all have to figure out our own bodies. We're all that study of one. And so, I mean, someone could follow me around and do exactly what I do, eat what I eat, live like I live and have completely different results than I have. Yeah. And, and vice versa. So just realizing that, you know, some people, love that I don't tell everybody exactly what to do. And some people don't, you know, they're like, I want the plan. Tell me what to eat. Tell me when to eat it. You know, someone asked me the other day in the social network, she said, um, I want to lose visceral fat. What's the best way for me to do it? I'm like <laughs> the best way is to do lose fat and, and yeah. you know, the way that works for your body, you know, cause visceral fat will go away also <laughs> yeah. as your body's burning fat. Yeah. So it, it's I'm just lose the, my underarm fat just here. How do I right, do that? exactly. Your 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 body's going to do what it does. It's going to take it from where it takes it. You know, maybe your your body's going to take your fat from your fatty liver, and you're not even going to know that's happening unless you've had, mm. you know, medical tests done. Mm. So we just don't know what what's yeah. what's. I, I think one thing you know, jumping from one extreme to another, going from eating garbage all the time to extended fasting or, or a radical diet shift often doesn't end well because you, you put your your amygdala your lizard brain whatever you want to call it just rebels and says this is so different often just those tiny tweaks if let's you know tighten your window a little bit or right. you know up your protein percentage and dial back your fat and carbs a little bit and okay that stopped working let's tweak a little bit more and with data and fasting, you use the blood sugars to fine-tune things. So, yeah, it's interesting. But, um, yeah, but on the other extreme, we see a lot of people wanting to track everything all the right. time. And, you know, I, my brain just explodes. And I said that in a podcast with you that, as Melanie said, you can only track so many things that challenge your ego and your identity and, you know, I'm a bad person because I'm not losing weight, but I'm not sleeping, I'm not walking enough. I'm not, you know, right. if, if you try to do all these habits all at once, your brain explodes. So just that tweaking and refining. And once you've mastered that, moving on, just that tiny habits is the way that always seems to work. Completely. And that's why, you know, in the 28-day fast start, um, I encourage people when they start intermittent fasting to not also change what they're eating. 
mm. at the same time for the first 28 days. And and it goes both yeah. ways. Like, cause I've seen it backfire in, in on both ends of the spectrum, trying to find myself in the camera on both ends of the spectrum. I've seen people who were following, let's say they were, they were keto. Okay. They were keto. And then they decided to start intermittent fasting. And at the same time, they reintroduce all the things. Mm. Well, that's going to not probably work mm. out very well for mm. them because their body is, been you know following keto and now we're having all this food that they weren't eating that's not they're not going to feel great that's not going to be a good idea but then we have the other end of the continuum people who were eating the standard american diet and they decide to do intermittent fasting and clean up everything they're eating all at the same time that's also not going to work very well yeah. you yeah. know so you've, you've got to do one thing at a time nail the clean fast get your body used to fasting then you can start you know, whichever experiment with foods that ha you had not been eating because you were restricting them, mm -hmm. see what you might could add back in, you know, maybe mm -hmm. someone who was keto, but Mrs. Beans could add back in beans. <laughs> I, really, I really like beans. Can you tell me? <laughs> That's okay. Um, you know, the, the, um, beans are a big on the Zoe program as well, which you've done. I'll ask you about, Zoe, what have you, you know, I know you struggled with tracking the food and that yeah, sort I'm of not a thing <laughs> and the, the CGM works mm -hmm. for some people but blows some people's heads up again. How did you find it with the Zoe? What did you learn that you're implementing now? Well, you know, I'm a huge Tim Spector fan just because he's got such a, a history of, you know, the research that he's done and, and really the first book I read of his, The Diet Myth, he talked about all of his work with um um, identical twins. And I have like yeah. all my life been fascinated by twins and genetics and, you know, like, like the twins that were separated at birth and they meet up, you know, when they're in their fifties and they each have a tree with a white fence around it and a wife named Marge. I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard those stories or not. <laughs> It's crazy. But I've always been fascinated by twins. So Tim Spector has done a lot of work with identical twins trying to tease out what about us is genetic. And who better to study than twins? Mm -hmm. And then he also has, you know, he's a gut researcher. And so he's done a lot of work with the gut and the gut research with twins also. And so he's, he's part of the Zoe um, company. And so they're, they're, this is ongoing research. I mean, it's not settled. They keep changing, like, for example, mm -hmm. their recommendations, because as they get more data, they're changing what they recommend based mm -hmm. on, you know, because these are ongoing studies you know he's been published in nature which is mm, mm, <laughs> not too shabby yeah. but but you know they're learning you know all sorts of things about um about how our bodies respond and how we're different and so mm. the way your body responds to what you eat is a combination of your genetics but very minor that mm. that's got some point in there but also your gut and but your gut mm. can change too your mm. gut changes in response to what you eat and yeah. You know, another important factor is, you know, and this this goes to what you talk about with energy toxicity, the way mm. your body clears fat, the way your body clears blood glucose. Mm. We do not all do it the same way. Yeah. Some people have bodies that are great at clearing fat from their blood. Mm. I do not. You, you, mm. you do it. They give you these muffins and you t eat them and then mm. they you take your blood and they test the blood. My blood clears fat slowly. Mm. And so that you don't want to overload on the fat. You get overloaded, yeah. And yeah. so they they have found that when you're when when you're overloaded, just like you always say, when you're when you have too much energy in your blood, it's yeah. not good. It leads to inflammation. It's not good for your body. So that is, you know, 
I can eat fat, but it's better. If I were going to eat a ton of fat, it would be better to have a slightly longer window mm. instead of piling it all in an hour, for example. Mm. That would be too much for my body. So I learned a lot there. Uh, and, and it really explained why I felt so inflamed when I was doing keto and eating so much fat. I kept yeah. putting it in. And I mean, I think I was probably also drinking bulletproof coffee. <laughs> so I was probably like basically hooked up to an IV of fat. And surprise, <laughs> surprise. You weren't losing body fat. I didn't lose body fat. And I felt like crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How <laughs> were you blood sugar for Zoe? Hmm? Did, did you find how was the blood sugars with Zoe? Did they rise a lot? So they're fairly flat line or? Well, I also don't clear blood glucose quickly. Yeah. Okay. My body just doesn't doesn't clear it quickly. So, you know, I I was like, darn it. <laughs> so basically, I should not overeat yeah. carbs or fat. That's, yeah. you know, I just, yeah. if I have to, you know, I should eat until I'm satisfied and then stop. And that's better for me. And that's probably yeah. not not too bad advice for most people, right? Yeah. <laughs> but You're just one of those lucky people that you know, really have to watch what they eat for the long term. And I suppose that's how you got yourself into this learning journey that yeah. you're able to share to the point yeah. you've built what you've built, which is really cool. But yeah, exactly. But, you know, I, I, did teach follow, and share it. I followed their recommendations. I, you know, cause I, I do like to, you know, the app, they had an app. So I followed and tried to get my score up. And I will say when I was following the recommendations, I mean, I was eating like, like so many beans and so like Brussels sprouts. I was eating so much plant food and um, I was getting, I was, e I was eating a lot of volume of food it's and I wasn't having that. zero fat. I mean, I was having as mm. much fat as I could put in there. Like I would have, you know, eggs and, and you know, stuff mm. like that, but I was putting in as much fat as I could without making my score go down. But I got into some of the deepest ketosis. Wow which is shocking. I mean, I could feel it. I mean, I, I could feel the ketosis. So, I mean, my body loved it. So. That's cool. So it must have been so satiating because it had such a low energy density yes. that it was impossible to overeat. So right. I mean, if you've got high glucose and high fat in your blood, what, what should you eat? It's like, okay, all we need is the nutrients that are satiating right. with, you know, enough amino acids included with mm -hmm. protein and, you're satiated and both sort of eventually come down over time yes. and works itself out. Um, so extended fasting, alternate day fasting, how do you find people do with that? You tend to recommend a window type approach rather than the other people who go, you know, 21 days is a great first <laughs> fast. Why not, you know, well, rip the Band-Aid off and just get on with it? I'm going to tell you that my opinion about extended fast. Now, I do not consider alternate day fasting to be extended fasting because mm. alternate day fasting, those approaches, the research on, on those um, approaches tend to have about 36 hours of fasting. Yep. So if you're fasting 36 hours, if you're eating, if you're eating every other day, that's not an extended fast. That's alternate day fasting. So when you start getting to the point where you're not eating every other day, that's when you start getting into extended fast territory, like, you know, past 48 hours, for example. I mean, I know we don't have like an official, you know, Webster definition. dictionary definition, but that's just, you know, how I kind of define it based on, you know, the literature with ADF. So um, 
early on and, you know, before I wrote Delight on Tonight, I had my groups and we were all just fasters together, wandering down the path of fasting blindly, didn't know what we were doing. I mean, all we had, finally we had the obesity code, but before that we didn't really have anything, right? Mm -hmm. We had the warrior diet, which mm -hmm. you read it now. And he's like, I'm eating salad all day. You remember the warrior diet? I did read it way back. Yeah. Way back, way back. But that's wacky. Sorry, I like I eat a handful of nuts and then I have a big meal. I mean, it's not really fasting, <laughs> but it, it got us going, right? It got us, got us started with it. But we were all just kind of wandering around trying to figure out fasting. And then there were some people who would be in the groups and they'd be very high profile. And I can think of really two uh, that that really stand mm. out for me from these early days. And uh, they were coming along at the same time and they both fasted for probably 21 days straight. Right. And, and they were doing it in the group and we were watching them and they were having great success and they felt fabulous. And I don't know if they did, if they, they each did 21, but they, they did a lot of extended fasting. Mm. Well, both of those two people specifically that I'm thinking of had, major struggles after that that went on for months and months and months to the point of like they would binge they they would mm. it would which is just what we saw in the Minnesota starvation experiment mm. when people were over restricted our bodies then say you know they they drive us to eat more because we that we were starving literally there was no, nothing coming in and then they they both ended up gaining more than they they had lost yeah. Both of these early extended fasting pioneers and they, they just beat themselves up mm. terribly mm. and felt like they were weak and they had failed and why couldn't they do it? And then they had trouble ever you know, getting back to fasting and they were like, okay, I'm just going to try, but they just couldn't. And their, their bodies were really rebelling. And so early on, you know, that, that really struck a, a chord with me, you know, and if you read anything that Joel Furman wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really. I'm, a lot of the nutrient density stuff mm -hmm. is inspired by his work to an extent, okay. but I sort of there was Matt Lalonde. Did do you remember Matt Lalonde, Rob, Matt, Rob Wolf's mate, who did nutrient density analysis, and then there was Joel Furman who did a similar nutrient okay. density analysis. I basically tried to bring them together and fix the holes, and my yeah. life changed. Well, <laughs> Joel, Joel Furman's book about fasting—I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head, but. There's a sentence in there where he's talking. He's a giant believer in fasting for mm. health, and he and then he wants you to be. Is he vegan? He want he, basically plant based. Plant based, yeah. but um, I think he's low fat vegetarian at least. Mm. But mm. he talks about he said you know he'd have people come and he would have them do fasting for you know 21 days, a long time. And he said in there he said, now be aware that after you've done all this fasting, your metabolic rate is going to be really low. And I'm like, hmm, you know, because we were hearing you know, the flip side of it that, you know, fasting is not going to make your metabolic rate be low. But I mean, here's this doctor that's worked with people doing this extended fasting for time. health and he's a giant fan, but he's saying, yes, it is going to affect your metabolism. And so as I, I started connecting that to what I saw with people who were doing lots and lots of extended fasting. And, and sure enough, the, what, what they were experiencing was just what they found with the Minnesota starvation experiment, the urge to binge, the rapid weight regain. And, and so, you know, it, it all was connected. And then there's one study that also I think is very interesting. I talked about this in fast feast repeat, and it was a study that they did um, with 72 hours of fasting. And so they had people go through the 72 hours of fasting and they measured their metabolic rate along the way. Yep. And 
you know, at hour 12, you know, here's your metabolic rate. And then as they continue with the fast, their metabolic rate, I'm trying to do it right on the screen, their <laughs> metabolic rate went up and then it peaked and then it started to go back down again. Yeah. And this was just over a 72 hour period. So they stopped at 72 hours. So at hour 72, their metabolic rate was higher than it had been at hour 12 wow. but on that downward trajectory. Yep. So what would happen if you kept going? How down would it go? Yeah. But, you know, the fact that it had done that up and then down makes me think there is a point when our bodies are like, okay, we time yeah. to conserve energy, time to lower the metabolic rate. Yeah. And this was one 72 hour fast. Mm. What, what they didn't study is, you know, the people who are doing lots of them, like, mm. you know, a 72 hour fast once a week or something, mm. Mm. you know, when does your body start to fight back? Because we know mm. our bodies don't like over restriction. Mm. So, you know, we, we just see a lot of people who over fast, and then have lots of lots of trouble. And you know what is over fasting? I think it's going to be different for every person, and it yeah. depends on your body. I see some people who are able to go for an extended fast and then choose really wisely and not overeat at the end. But mm -hmm. I don't think there's studies on them. But they're they're like unicorns. I think out there they're, they're really hard to find. And I know when I did the let's fast for a week or let's fast for three days at a time regularly, you'd be congratulating yourself and your, your lizard brain just becomes psycho because right. you'd earn whatever the food you were just chowing in your mouth nonstop and you didn't go on. Oh, it's good for this. It's nutrient dense. Has it got enough protein? And you just like, you're eating whatever. I really believe the urge to binge after fasting is a sign that you're overdoing the fasting. It doesn't mean you're weak. It no. means that your body is is telling you that you, you've done too much fasting. Now, one caveat I want to say during the adjustment period, when people are, you know, starting intermittent fasting at first, you're not metabolically flexible. You're not tapping into your fat stores for fuel during the fast. You know, you've been a sugar burner, you know, mm -hmm. forever. And now you're trying to train your body to burn fat. You're going to be starving because you're not well fueled during mm -hmm. the fast from your fat stores yet. So during the adjustment phase, you might feel that urge to binge. That will go away as mm. you get fat adapted and you become adjusted. But the, the more you become an intermittent faster, if you start feeling that urge to binge is coming back, that's mm. the sign you're doing too much. Even with alternate day fasting, you know, you could mm. be doing alternate day fasting with down days and up days. And if you start feeling, you know, every time you have an up day, you just want to binge your way through it. I would take that very seriously and I would mm. stop, stop doing that pattern and, you know, scale back, have yeah. longer windows and definitely focus on nutrient density, like you said, because yeah. really when you do that, when you feed your body real food, it, it's, it's so much harder to overeat real food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's almost as if once you give your body what it needs, it goes, I don't need to be storing this right. extra fuel for a famine there's not a famine coming anymore the food's right. good i can let go of all the stored fuel and it, all the people who prioritize nutrient density it's like i, I wasn't hungry and i lost all this weight and mm -hmm. i talked to someone who was working with idm and they were doing guided 21 or 28 day fasts and she just wasn't losing the weight and then she t came in karen and topped the nutrient density leaderboard and shedded all this weight and it's just like crazy give your body what it wants what right. it needs 
the nutrients and you know it looks after everything else it's incredible yeah, um, yeah, i've heard but, a quote that actually i'm not going to say who said it but i've heard a very famous person in the fasting world say there's no upper limit on fasting meaning that that you can't do too much but i don't think that's true yeah. i i don't believe that that's true just from what i've i've seen with with people who who do over fast i mean mm -hmm. I, I do think that that's a real danger for people yeah talking about zoe the recent study they did you have seen the you know once people the big dippers they call them when they go up and then they come down with their blood sugar and their blood sugar gets lower than they used to they then binge and trigger a you know mm -hmm. overeating response so that's where if your blood sugar is on this roller coaster you don't want to fast for so long that your blood sugar gets below a lot below what you used to i think with data-driven fasting what we want to do is just get a little bit below what you used to feel that hunger a little bit and then nourish your body at that point but if right. you're waiting so long that your food choices start to disintegrate and you're eating every comfort food you can think of and without the ability to manage that and stop at a reasonable time you've probably gone too far and you're not ready for that and like yeah much much more ideal to have a a regular eating pattern that's sustainable in a daily routine rather than you know i fasted for 21 days but i lost my lean muscle mass and i couldn't get enough protein when i refed and i'm just becoming skinny fat in the long term exactly. it's another, right right it's sort of the worst outcome so yeah it's really important um another question from melanie was early versus late um meal window do you have a preference uh, like uh, I, th I think theoretically early might be better, but well, it's, a theory. You know, it's hard to fit into a routine. The, the thing about that is people, you know, there, there was a, a paper that came out about early time restricted feeding and they compared um, an, er, um, an early eating window to like eating all day or something. I mean, and guess which one won? <laughs> the early eating window was better than eating all day. And oh, so from that, you? people... We're like, well, there we've got it. Early eating window is the clear winner. Everyone should have an early eating window. And there's, you know, a lot of theory about, you know, and and some and some of it's not even theory. You know, they've they've checked, you know, insulin response in the morning versus in the afternoon and when you're more insulin sensitive and yada yada. And of course, some of those studies that they're basing those conclusions on are in the paradigm of eating all day. And I really don't think that someone who's fasted all day and then has a late eating window is going to have the same response as someone who ate all day and is eating at that same time. You know, me opening my window at five o'clock is going to be different than someone who ate all day, what they're eating at five o'clock. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You know, they're going to have yeah. a different response. But I, I think that we try to oversimplify and we try to assume that everyone is the same. And I believe there are people with different circadian rhythms. I believe there are people who mm. will respond better to a morning window. They prefer it. I mean, I know that's true. I know people who mm. do prefer a morning window, but then there are people that, that struggle with that. You know, I've back, of course, throughout my whole years of fasting, there've been times when I'm like, okay, I'm going to have, I'm going to open my window early and go to breakfast with my family. And then I'm going to close my window. And no, <laughs> that's not what happens you know, 7 p.m. rolls around, I'm starving mm. and, and I eat again because mm. I just can't, I can't sleep when I'm hungry. Yeah. So a morning window would equal failure. Like if, yeah. if, if we did have definitive research that said early morning window is greatly superior, everyone should have an early morning window, I would not be able to stick to it personally. Yeah. 
So would that be a good plan for me? Well, not if I can't stick to it. Yeah, I definitely so find that when before was one bed, I don't want to be starving hungry. I don't want to be starving hungry at bed. I know it's not good to eat too late, but yeah. I go to bed fairly early. But if I go to bed, if I've tried to have a very early eating window, then, you know, I just can't sleep and end I up can't eating sleep something either. just yeah. to, to calm the brain, something it in my brain. <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah. you know, the, you know, don't let, you know, um, what's, what's the saying? Don't let perfection keep you from, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not making any more sense, but don't try perfection to be, perfect. be the enemy of good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> you said it. And, and the, the best eating window is the one you can stick to. What we don't have is a study with all things equal other than the, the eating window with mm. everything else being equal. We, we don't, not one that's been, you know, long-term. I think there was like one, I talked about it mm. in fast eat repeat. It was really short and they found no differences, but it really wasn't very long. So, you know, with these, a lot of these short studies, especially with fasting, they don't really prove a lot because so many of the changes in our bodies happen over a long period of time. Mm. Yeah, and you need to be in it for the long term. It's not just yeah. I'm going to lose all the weight in 21, day, 21 days not eating. You have to find no. a way of a rhythm that works for you for the long term, not just to get this magic autophagy over three days because I didn't eat. It's, you know, I'm going to get to a healthy body right. weight and a BMI that corresponds with all the positive health outcomes. Um, so is there an optimal health uh, sorry eating window that works for most people like as a as a sweet spot i know obviously based on your goals and with you're trying to lose weight and how active you are that would vary but is it is shorter better or you know a lot of people think i'll lose more weight if i tighten it further how, how do you guide people to find that yeah, there's, right yeah. sweet spot for them it, it's really, it, it's so different. Like, like I know a guy, he's, um, he's in the Delay Don't Deny Social Network with us and he followed us over from Facebook and he's a, a one hour a day guy. That is the, the window that works for him. It is, it's the one that, that suits him. He's doing great. He feels good doing it. But is that the right window for everybody? No. Mm. Some people that would be way too stressful for their body mm. to, to try to get everything in, in one hour. That it would be the wrong way way to approach it. You know, maybe you can't eat enough food for your body in one hour. Yeah. And and that is over restriction for you. And you definitely struggle to get enough protein. It's hard mm -hmm. to get. It's really really hard to eat that much protein that you need for a whole day yeah. in yeah. one hour. I tend to probably. I mean, today I'm going to have a shorter eating window because it's 7 p.m. here in Augusta, and I haven't eaten yet. I haven't opened my window. I decided to wait until after because I'm not as mentally sharp after I've had a nice meal. Yep. So I called my yep. husband. I'm like, I'm gonna, just going to wait and I'll eat after I, you know, so I actually, let's see, when did I stop eating? I think I'm right at a 24-hour fast today. I don't do that very um, often. Yep. And I'll, I'm, you know, it's seven. I'll eat and I'll probably have a one-hour window today. But tomorrow, I bet I'll feel a little hungry sooner. I might have a six-hour window tomorrow mm. because I, I might need more food because I'm not going to have as much today. Yeah. But the, the idea that if you're not losing weight, you have to get more and more restrictive with your window is is, necess is not necessarily what's mm. going to work best for you. Some people find that if they have, you know, for example, a six-hour window, they're more relaxed and less likely to overeat. And that mm -hmm. works better for them. You know, mm -hmm. a six hour window where they're able to eat mindfully is going to be way mm -hmm. better than a one hour eating window where you're binging. Mm -hmm. 
So you've just got to see what feels good to you so that you feel like you're able to eat until you're satisfied. You feel good during the fast. You feel good during your eating window. And, you know, like I said, I interviewed person 164 today for intermittent fasting stories and everybody really is different. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so um, appetite correction is one thing. Last thing I wanted to talk to you about is okay. about appetite correction. So tell us about that and how do you find that after a while you get to a point where you understand your true hunger. Tell mm-hmm. us about that a little bit more. Well, that's that's the genius of Dr. Bert Hearing, who mm-hmm. um, really that I found my my early success with intermittent fasting in 2014 with with his fast five plan. He had mm-hmm. a 19 five approach, and that was the plan that worked for him. You know, he believed in a five hour window, and he said everyone do 19 five because that was his sweet spot. And we find a lot of people do well with with that kind of 19 five approach, or 24 is one that works for a lot of people. Um, but he came up with the idea of appetite correction and Mm. he has a book called appetite correction that that you can read. And basically, you know, we're born with appetite correction. Basically appetite correction means you're in tune with your hunger and your satiety Mm. animals in the wild. They all have appetite correction. You know, they don't just keep eating and eating and eating. They eat as much as they need to survive and then they stop eating babies when they're born, they know how much to eat. It's mm. only when we start eating ultra-processed foods mm. and that when we when we start losing the connection. Mm. Honestly, I think if we just if we got rid of all ultra-processed foods, probably everyone in the world would once again rediscover their appetite correction. <laughs> but when you're eating real foods, also intermittent fasting helps us connect with with our hunger and satiety mm. signals. So Dr. Hearing's concept of appetite correction is when you're finally able to hear your hunger and satiety signals and you're able to listen to them. Mm. Well, and hearing them is is part of the battle. You also have to obey them because mm. even I eat past my appetite correction and you're like, you know, you're like, oh, I've really had enough, but mm, there's a little bit left. Yummy. I'm going to eat it. And then you're like, I shouldn't have done that. Even I do that. I did that yesterday. <laughs> it happens. So it, it's, you know, you hearing the signals and listening to them is the whole point of appetite correction. And it's not easy. And if you're eating a lot of ultra processed foods, yeah. you're less likely to hear it. I mean, that is true because our bodies are not searching for calories. Our bodies are not counting calories. Our bodies mm. are counting nutrients. Mm. And, you know, there's fascinating research from, gosh, I can't remember what year it's in my, in my new book, cleanish. There was this, pediatrician or something she had these um these orphans yeah Yeah. Yeah, she had these orphans that she was raising and she like put out all the food and was like go i mean what are you gonna eat and and they all just ate what they wanted and one kid Mm -hmm. ate cod liver oil you've heard about that study then the one kid ate he had rickets or something and he ate cod liver oil until his nutrient deficiency was over and then he never touched it again and just you know indicating that our bodies have the wisdom. You know, think about pregnant women who have pica. Is that that's what it's yeah, called, where they start eating like clay and stuff yeah. because they have that nutrient deficiency, yep. and they're driven to eat these these non food things because they're trying to fill in that deficiency. Mm. So we know that happens, yeah. but you know, again, overfed and undernourished, we're we're continuing to eat because we're not getting the nutrients our bodies need. 
And so your body's, you know, you, you eat like, you know, McDonald's cheeseburger and your body's like, nope, that wasn't it. Send something else down. Then you send down the parfait, you know, <laughs> the hot fudge sundae. And your body's like, that still wasn't it. And then you, you're, you're never satisfied. And your body is like, I'm starving down here because your body yeah. really, really is. You have all that energy from that garbage food that you ate, but no nutrients. And your body yeah. is literally starving for nutrients. You get this double dopamine hit from the fat and the carb energy together, mm -hmm. but you don't get the satiety from the lack of nutrients, right. particularly protein, but also all the other vitamins and minerals that give a, a satiety signal that, like you say, you, you eat till you get enough protein, you eat till you get enough magnesium, sodium, potassium, right. you know, thiamine, um, vitamin B3, omega-3, cholesterol even. And it's just fascinating that if people just chase the nutrients they needed it's in true. their food. It's true. It. And, and, you know, intermittent fasting reconnected me with my hunger and satiety signals, but it made me start to crave real food. Yeah, so it kind of it, it spiraled. The it. more real food I craved, the more real food I ate, the more real food I wanted, the better I felt. Yeah. And so it, it really just happened naturally and not because I was trying to, you know, follow some plan. It just so how happened. Did it take you to understand your own cravings for nutrients not just energy say that again what was how long did it take for you to go from oh, to, 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 to crave to feel like you're craving nutrients and real food rather than it, it just the more the more i ate the the more i i started craving them really and mm. um I, I don't know it took a it took a couple years for me to get yeah. to that point but I used to eat like a, a teenage boy at camp, right? <laughs> and mom wasn't there. And so you're <laughs> a freshman at the college dorm, you know, I, yeah. I, I just, I, I did not have a sophisticated food palate. Yeah. <laughs> I ate a lot of fast food. I ate a lot of ultra processed food, but that is really how my mother allowed me to eat growing up. Mm. And so I never really connected with, with mm -hmm. foods, you know, she, she catered to my, my picky child palate. He mm. had the cheeseburger. Mm -hmm. Had the cheeseburger, you know, you're, you're, you're a picky eater. I was a picky eater. Yep. And now mm. I'm not a picky eater. It's amazing. Yeah. And you're looking relaxed without living on Facebook all the time and getting oh, to go yeah. to the beach and finishing your book and yeah. eating well. And it's yeah, nice to see it all coming together for you. Uh, you know, you've helped a lot of people and yeah, it's good that it's coming together for you. So um, your book, when when's it out? It, it, it's like Cleanish. Clean, yeah, clean it's available for pre-order now, which you can order it now though. You yep. can, but Cleanish, eat mostly clean, live mainly clean and unlock your body's natural ability to self-clean. Of course, intermittent fasting is one chapter in there yeah. for people because I'm hoping to attract an audience of people who maybe not be intermittent fasters, but want to, you know, clean up how they're living. And then maybe eventually they'll want to try intermittent fasting, you know, cause I, that's, that's our body's, you know, prime self-cleaning time. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's um, available now. It comes out January 4th is the yeah. date that it's expected to drop. But of course things change in publishing. Maybe they, maybe they won't this time, but my other um, Fast Feast Repeat, my first traditionally published book, was originally supposed to come out earlier and then it ended up coming out. Of course, we had the pandemic going on. So <laughs> it kept getting pushed until finally it ended up being um, June 20th. But we'll see. January 4th is what they tell me. So we'll see. I really, I hope to open some eyes 
to of people to wow, food quality really does matter. What we're surrounding ourselves with, and, and food is just part of it. You know, the eat mm-hmm. mostly clean, mm-hmm. the live mainly clean. You know that mm-hmm. that's important too. You know, what you put on your body makes a difference. We're all aware of transdermal medications. You know, like the nicotine patch or the hormonal mm-hmm. patch. We know things go through our skin, mm-hmm. and our bodies absorb them and use them. But for example, um, some some of our health and beauty products have more toxins in them than what you are cleaning your kitchen countertop with. But you wouldn't be spraying that all over yourself, right? <laughs> so <laughs> the more I the more I learned, I was like, wow, this is a really big deal. So <laughs> I love how you've come full circle to complete of what to eat and when to eat. And like it's like uh, very exciting uh, to me. Yeah, I'm completely on I the I sort of went the other way eat. from you know what to eat to when to eat. And you know, anyway. It's, it's cool. a process, but you know, it's taken me down the path. But but helping people to know to start where they are. Again, in this in this book, just like with my approach to fasting, I'm not going to make a list of these are the things you never do and these are the things you never eat. Instead, people, you know, come up with their own definition of what it means to eat clean. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to right. you? And you know, I started I read a lot of books that people had written about clean eating, for example, and they're just so wacky. Like <laughs> one of the <laughs> Orthorexic even. Well, because one of them will be like, to eat clean, you never have dairy, like dairy, with, or unless it's low-fat dairy. I'm like, why is low-fat dairy clean and full-fat dairy is not clean? That makes and no everything sense. Everything from animals is evil. No, everything from plants is evil. Ah. Yeah, well, every clean, clean eating book had some kind of definition of clean eating of what you did and didn't eat, but it was all seemed very random. They all pretty much agreed that you don't eat the ultra-processed foods, but... <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> anyway, then we can agree on that, right? <laughs> that's, that's great. That's great. So is there any other projects other than the book you've got coming out or anything yeah. crazy on the horizon? No, not really. I'm eventually going to write some children's books. We'll see. Oh, cool. That'd we'll be see. great. And, and they can they can check out the book on Amazon. Yeah, cleanish. Yeah, else, the easiest Amazon. way to find it is to find me, like my author page, because cleanish is not coming up in search, or it wasn't last time I looked. Maybe it is now. A few people have pre-ordered it, but and it's it's cleanish with the ish in parentheses. And so I think to find it on Amazon, you have to type clean parenthesis number one ish <laughs> other <laughs> end of the parentheses. Yeah. Or Dean Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> or just search for Jen Stevens. And see what you <laughs> go to my author page. It's linked there. But eventually, hopefully, you'll be able to just go to cleanish and find it. You actually can get to it from jenstevens.com slash cleanish, no parentheses. <laughs> I like to do confusing titles. Sorry. Who thought up that name? Me. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Hey, thanks. It's been a ton of fun. Great to get to chat again. Thank you again oh, thank for you. everything and your friendship. And, um, let you get off to dinner and I'm gonna um, go eat tonight. Ready All to right. eat. Yeah. Thank uh, you. Thanks so Bye. much, Jim. See ya.